0: Well, we want to take a couple of minutes and share with you um, from God's Word today. And we are going to do it in such a way uh, that's probably going to be a little bit different. Now, if you're from New Hope, that's not going to shock you at all. But I hear if you're from Crossroads, that might be a little shocking. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah? A little different? All right. So uh, we're doing things a little different because we can. We're outside. It's the park. It's a beautiful day. And uh, as Pastor Pete and I talked about this particular sermon and we met and we were kind of thinking it through, we're like, we should do something different today. We should mix it up a little bit. So sound good to you? Sounds good to me. Fantastic. So we are going to do that. If you'd like to follow along, I said it already, whether you got your phone or whether you want to look uh, actually we don't have all the scripture, but we're coming from 1 Samuel, which is in the Old Testament. Kind of scroll all the way kind of to the left of the Bible and then look a little bit of the way in and uh, you'll find 1 Samuel chapter 1 uh, and you'll find the story of Hannah. And then if you're also following along, you can look in the New Testament in Luke, uh, chapter 1, and uh, read a little bit away through the, the chapter 1, you'll find the story of Mary. So, with that set up, um, why don't I pray, and then we can get started. How Sounds good work. Heavenly Father, it is good to be out uh, outside today. It's good to be here together, it's good to fellowship with one another, it's good to mix it up. Lord, we know that uh, your Holy Spirit reigns in the midst of all of it we thank you for the wonderful diversity represented here today and lord we just pray for the abundance of your spirit to provide strength and grace and peace to us we thank you we honor you and we give this time to you in jesus name amen amen
1: so scott and i got together um, this past week and uh you know sometimes you wonder where pastors go we we find a kind of a secluded spot that's uh, deeply private and, uh, and prayerful, and uh, Panera's really fit the bill uh, for, uh, Scott. Highly <laughs> theological place. Highly <laughs> theological place. And uh, so we immersed ourselves in that secluded place. And, and uh, you know, as, uh, as uh, Scott and I prepared by uh, just exchanging notes and ideas, uh, one of the things we just wanted to start here was just your summer series. This would help especially our, our Crossroads folks just to know. Uh, so, Scott, could you tell us what, what led you to pick the series that you did? Sure. Uh, Go ahead.
0: So, for those of you that are not familiar, we are on a series called Because of Her. We started it uh, back in June. No, sorry, in July, right? We started in July. The summer's flown by. Um, but the Because of Her series... As I was looking at what we were going to do over the summer, we had just come out of a very long series. Um, Normally, series are like a month. We did about a six-month journey through the Sermon on the Mount. And we were kind of coming out of that and thinking, what comes next? I I knew I wanted to do something in the Old Testament. But traditionally, when we look at stories in the Old Testament, we tend to focus on the men. Moses and David and Elijah and all those stories about the men of the Bible, and as we were talking about amongst our team, I said, what if we mixed it up? What if we looked at stories of women in the Bible? And then that got our juices flowing a little bit. Of course, you know, we're from the Free methodist church, and uh, we believe that women can lead the church and pastor the church and that sort of thing. So it seemed appropriate to kind of look at ways God used women in the past to fulfill his story of redemption throughout the bible it's not just a story of men it is a story of men and women and how god used them so that became the reason we got into our sermon series because yeah. of her that's great now what what was it about hannah and mary how did that come to pass the topic so the yeah interestingly enough we're sitting there talking and, and i kind of alluded to it with the children right sometimes we we only talk about mary at christmas time and there's a, so much more to Mary's story that sometimes we lose a little bit of it because, uh, again, we're, we're focusing on Jesus and Advent and the coming and that sort of thing. So we thought about looking at Mary, but, but then we said, "But well, this is a story, this is the Old Testament. We're looking at women in the Old Testament that Mary... But Mary is kind of this typecast for a couple of people in the Old Testament. Of course, her name comes from Miriam, uh, Moses' sister. That's kind of a derivative of her name. And so we looked at Miriam earlier in the year, uh, earlier in the series. And uh, But then I looked at the songs. We were studying Mary's song, and I looked at Hannah's song, and you heard the overlap. And we thought, what if we just did a little deeper dive? And that's as far as I went with it early on. But that's how we ended up with Hannah and Mary. So here we are today.
1: Great. Great. Well, you know, uh, Scott, you're going to ask me to uh, talk a little bit about, about who Hannah was. Yeah. And some of that was read earlier before. But, uh, you know, what's was fascinating for me uh, as I started reading the story of Hannah, just seeing some of the similarities and some significant contrasts in her life with Mary uh, centuries later. Uh, first of all, Hannah in Old Testament times, she was... Uh, well she was married but uh, the man she was married to actually had two wives that was not unusual in some ancient times to have more than one spouse uh, the uh, thing as you may also know in ancient times it was very important to have children children were your social security especially sons your oldest son um, Hannah had no children to make matters worse uh, the other wife did to make matters even more worse the other wife rubbed it in her face. Never heard that before, have you? Yeah. We? Just no, that, that, there's a
0: common theme in Scripture about some of that, isn't there? Yes. Getting yes. back to Rachel and Leah. It's, it's right. The it's just, it's
1: just the whole, you know, yep. um, and we see this, uh, you know, people weren't always kind to each other like they are today, right? <laughs> so, yeah. Not. So it so never happened that. today. No. So. Well, do um, so you want to say a few words about uh, Mary, stuff?
0: Yeah, no, it, it's interesting. I, I really am fascinated by how Mary and Hannah interrelate in their stories. Of course, there's this, you, you know who Mary is, right? I, I, I probably don't need to tell you much about Mary. She is the mother of Jesus. Of course, she uh, was the mother of Jesus without the intervention of Joseph, right? Because she was... Uh, had the Holy Spirit come upon her and she conceived, and and so we know of Mary through the story and the birth, really, of Jesus. Um, But Mary was, as we know, a, a young girl, most likely 12 to 14 at most. She describes herself as a servant girl, and so we know that she was of humble origin. We know that she comes out of the town of Nazareth, and Later on in scripture we read that what good can come out of Nazareth, right? That Nazareth was kind of like, I don't know, as Pete and I were talking
1: about it. I did some research on Nazareth know how big Nazareth was. It was 2,000 feet, all right? 2,000 feet at its longest. It was 600 feet at its widest. And the height of its population was all of it. You ready? 400. And what Nazareth was, was kind of a conservative little Jewish town in the middle of a great big Gentile or Greek world. And so it was not a high place that people looked upon as a, as a great place to hang up. Let's go to Nazareth! Yeah. This person. Kind of reminds us
0: a little bit of maybe being a church in an increasingly secular society secular humanistic society right I mean sometimes we are small in number. sometimes we feel a little bit like we're fish out of water in our culture um, that's where Jesus came from that's where Jesus was born into that's where Mary lived and uh, so of course she and Hannah have a lot of things that are similar um, but there's also some things that are different about them and uh Tell us a little bit more about what you've learned with
1: Hannah and Mary. Well, you know, with Hannah, first of all, um, so as I mentioned, she was she was barren. So that's one of the things that is a common thing in uh, between their two storylines. Hannah, it was impossible for her to have children. She was barren, scripture said. The other thing we realized with Mary is, you know, it would have been impossible for her to have children. She had not been married yet. So she was a virgin. Both of them had this commonality to them, uh, something God had to do miraculously in both of their lives uh, to, uh, to change an outcome. Now, just some other things that are really interesting, uh, some comparisons and contrasts between the two of them. Um, uh, Hannah, in part of the story, she, she does an annual pilgrimage to uh, what basically is a shrine. Before the temple was built, before that time was the Ark of the Covenant, this box, basically a holy box where the Ten Commandments were kept. And at first it was kept in a little tent, and then eventually they built a, a small shelter like this probably around it, and it was a town of Shiloh. So every year, Hannah would go on pilgrimage to there and pray at that, at that holy place. And one time, she is so distraught, she is so distraught about her predicament, she is a lady despairing, and she's crying out to God, and the senior priest there, who's attending this holy place, sees her. And actually thinks she's drunk because of the way she's acting and crying out. And she says, "Oh, sir, you know, I'm basically I'm not drunk. I am in desperation." And and so you know what the priest says? The priest says to her, "Well, may God grant your request." And you know what Hannah does? Hannah sees that incident. As God basically giving her answer that God is going to do something in her life, so at that point she was not eating and she was in great despair. And the Scripture says that at that point when uh, Eli had pronounced those words of blessing on her, she got up. She was no longer in despair, and she went and ate something. So that says a lot. So just some other some other comparisons and contrasts. You know, Hannah replies to Eli in her story uh, that she is deeply troubled. In Mary's story when the angel Gabriel Rebbe comes and gives the news What does the scripture say there about Mary? She says Mary was deeply troubled Okay? Uh, when Hannah replies to Eli May your servant find favor in your eyes uh, We hear that Mary replies to Gabriel I am the Lord's servant You see this common thread of humility In both of their lives uh, After Eli's blessing Hannah puts her complete trust in God She eats. She's no longer downcast. Uh, After the angel message, Mary expresses complete trust in God. Now here's some interesting contrast. Are you ready to listen to this? Hannah's pregnancy in the ancient world would remove her stigma of barrenness. Guess what's gonna happen with Mary? What's gonna happen? She's from this little, tiny, conservative Jewish town and she's not married and she's pregnant, her stigma is just going to begin. It's interesting to to begin to look at the
0: way God worked into the lives of these two women. Yes, absolutely. And, um, I was struck a little bit too, and we haven't talked at all because this sermon's not about the husband, but it's just important to kind of understand Elkanah was the name of Hannah's husband. Elkanah comes from the Levite tribe. He was a Levite by origin, Um, and he was actually a son of Korah, which is the priestly line, right? Levites are the priestly line. And you would think that the story might revolve around Elkanah. Right, right. It doesn't. It revolves around Hannah and Hannah's desperate plea, desperate prayer
1: to be made to allow to be allowed to have children again. I think that was one of the when we first started talking about this, That was one of the first things that struck me. Scott was the desperation, the one woman's desperation because of her plight. She's barren, unable to have children. The other woman, Mary, they don't read so much about her desperation, but when you start unpacking where she's from, uh, she is from a desperate people, a minority people in a culture that's rapidly changing and leaving uh, her uh, values behind. And of course, with Mary,
0: you know, we we tend to kind of gloss over what her life must have been like. Right. Right. But think about the desperation she must have felt having been found pregnant before she was married. Oh, yeah. I mean, just just the whole desperation theme. It It was one thing that really stood out to us is what's it like? What must it be like to be so desperate and to actually have the only place you can turn be to God.
1: Yes.
0: So many times in our lives today, we, we find ourselves in places of desperation. And what do we turn to? We turn to the things around us, right? We turn mm-hmm. to Absolutely. substances. We turn to television. We turn we turn to ways that we can kind of distract ourselves. But these women found themselves in desperation, and they turned to God, which is something that's really significant. We'll probably it's come back to that a little come bit. Back to you, right, as, yeah. we, as
1: we wrap this up. Absolutely. Yeah. Where are we in our notes,
0: Scott? You know, this is kind so, of... Cool. So, <laughs> one of the things that we wanted to talk about a little bit was, why is it significant? Why are Hannah yeah. and Mary significant? Because in some ways, they, we don't talk much... Anybody ever heard a sermon on Hannah? Raise your hand if you ever had a sermon on Hannah. One, and you grew up in the church, so that doesn't count, right? <laughs> no, it does count, absolutely. But we don't talk about Hannah very much, right? And then in conjunction really looking with Hannah, why Hannah and why Mary? It's important for me, I think it's important for two guys who are standing up talking about women, right? right. To, to really recognize the singular importance God places on both sexes, men and women, both genders. And to really elevate and look at the importance and the role of women, particularly in the Bible. But in this particular case, it brought to my mind the idea that well, let, me, let, me, let me do it this way, let me say it this way. Early on in our series, we talked about the concept of egalitarianism versus complementarianism. If you're not familiar with those words, don't worry about it. But basically, the idea for egalitarian means that that we believe that men and women can be used in the same way in leadership by God using their unique gifts and their unique talents. But oftentimes when we talk about egalitarianism, when we talk about that, we, I think, by default, and maybe us as guys, it's probably the way our minds go, we tend to look at the ways God uses women like men.
1: Right. Or
0: in the situations that men often find themselves, whether it's leadership or other types of things, we want to make women into men. Like kind of an
1: economic sense, a uh, job opportunity sense. Yeah.
0: God doesn't do that. God doesn't need women to be men. He needs women to be women. And he needs men to be men. And he will use both because of their unique talents and their unique gifts. Now, there's something you and I could never, ever, ever do in our entire lives. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I do. Have babies. (laughs) One of the unique things about Hannah and Mary's story... That's different than say Deborah, and we've looked at Deborah. That's different than say Esther, you know, who saved her nation. You know, that's right? But one of the things that's kind of different about Hannah and Mary is that in and of themselves, they were not salvation figures. They were not the ones that brought salvation to the kingdom, to Israel, or to us. God used them because of their womanhood, because of their motherhood. Yes. God used the power of them in the home, raising these young men to be the people that God had called them to be. God used women, and I think think that's the thing that stood out to me, is in this series, because of her, I don't want to just celebrate that women can lead. They absolutely can. That women can be pastors, and women have gifts of leadership. They do. They absolutely do. But some women are gifted and blessed as mothers and that's a wonderful wonderful thing and some women have the the special ability to raise their children in ways that fathers and men will never be able to do because they see things differently they have unique gifts they have a unique bond with those children that was one of the things that stood out to us is you know that bond that hannah had with samuel very early on in his life she raised him until he was three or four
1: it's an amazing thing because She, uh, when she received this child and names him Hannah which is heard by God she makes this vow that God gives her a child she will give the child back to the Lord and what that meant is that she was going back to Shiloh back to that annual pilgrimage place where the priest was and was dedicating her child to work there to grow up as basically one of the priests here So, so Samuel at an early age is brought back and Hannah said, remember me? I'm the lady who was basically here three years ago praying and this is how God answered and I'm here to fulfill my vow of giving this child back to the Lord. Now you know what Samuel you know what Samuel was in, in ancient Israel? He was the bridge. He would be the one bridging the period of the judges to the period of the kings. A whole new chapter. In the nation of Israel. And he would anoint the first two kings of Israel. And of course, we know who Mary's child would be, right? He would be the one who says, The kingdom of God is here. And he ushers in a whole new realm and a whole new reign. The kingdom of God advancing with the king of kings and the lord of lords. Both of them, very. Historically significant people in the life of first the nation of Israel and then the, the whole world. And the link God used? Mothers. Absolutely. Mothers, yes.
0: Kate Wallace Nunnally, some of you will remember uh, if you were at New Hope for the first series, first sermon of our series. Kate Wallace Nunnally is a pastor, uh, she is an author and. Um, Anyway, I won't explain much more about her. She's a pastor in the Free methodist Church. She writes this in one of her blogs. She said, The story of the Bible is the story of God choosing, choosing barren women to mother, guide, protect, nurture, and grow God's people. She writes that in the context of a blog where she actually thought she was going to struggle with infertility for the rest of her life. And she was really struggling with What am I called to be? What am I called to do? And what is my role? And all of this sort of thing. And as she was struggling, she went to a seminary class. And one of the professors pointed out, let's look at how God used the barrenness of women to birth his kingdom. So let me just point it out for you. Sarah, Abraham's wife, was barren. Rebecca, Isaac's wife, spent 20 years trying to get pregnant, thought she was barren. Rachel, Jacob's first love, found herself barren, ultimately giving birth to Joseph, who led and saved the people in Egypt. You keep going through the story in the Old Testament, you come to a person by the name of Manoah, we have a Manoah among us. Hi, Manoah. <laughs> Manoah's wife was infertile. Not your wife, but the Manoah's wife of the Bible. She ultimately gave birth to Samson, who became one of the first judges of Israel. Keep going, and we find the Shunammite woman. The Shunammite woman was barren, and Elijah prayed, and she gave birth, and ultimately that boy died. Elijah had to come and raise him from the dead. So there's this picture of resurrection, a precursor to the resurrection story. Keep going and we come to the fifth woman. That's the subject of today. Fifth is the Hebrew, num- the Hebrew number associated with grace. Hannah's name means grace or gracious. God is with her. Hannah, the fifth woman to be without a child or unable to conceive gives birth to now we know Samuel and we know the importance of Samuel yes. so it's just fascinating you go on there are two others that are highlighted and that is Elizabeth in the New Testament giving birth to John the Baptist and then Mary of course giving birth to Jesus
1: right.
0: it's just fascinating how God works through those types of what we would call impossibilities, impossibilities. yeah right. so you know, as we talked, Pete, one of the things that was kind of almost heavy on your heart was just the story of women in your own life, yes. or your own mom in this case, right. and how right. she impacted and changed your life. You want to tell us a little bit about what was on your heart then.
1: Sure, sure. Uh, uh, well, my mom uh, passed away. It was past February. And I uh, passed away quite suddenly. Um, but she, she loved the Lord, and I'm rejoicing where she is. And so, praise God, mom has a new home. But uh, one of the things that mom would share with me, and it always was a thread in my life, yeah. is that uh, mom was, uh, and some of you may remember, this goes back, this goes back a while, but Barbara Streisand, was big back in uh, the 1960s. My mom was a big Barbara Streisand fan. And they released a Christmas album, uh, and one of the songs on Barbara Streisand's Christmas album was called The Gear i was born in december and the song progresses all the way through and you wonder what the special gift is and the last line of the song is a newborn baby boy that was the gift that was the punchline of that and my mom treasured that and she really believed that in my case i was a gift now i hope that every single mom in the room feels that their kids are gifts um, but there was something else that my mom thought about me that, the, that 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 basically god's hand was on my life to do something Long before I ever realized that, she knew I was going to be a pastor. Long before I I ever realized that, it was just something, a thread in her life that, that God had had showed her. And so there was this foundation and this background of faith for me. And my mom's even my mom's faith, the different seasons in her life had changed. And there were parts where it see more in the background, parts more in the more recent years where it's much stronger, more vibrant, especially as she was widowed and and she was growing close and. I had wonderful conversations with my mom about how close the Lord's presence was to her in these past six years that she had lived uh, without my stepdad. But the cool thing is, is just looking at uh, my own personal story, and I went through these Bible stories and realizing the significance that of uh, people. The world is full of people like that. That um, you know, they may not preach to thousands or millions. they may not do great things in the eyes of the world or even great things in the eyes of the church because of the way we measure and look at things. But to God, they do great things. And one of the greatest things they may do is is raise the next generation. Raise uh, the kids who will have that blessing, who will grow and will need the nurture and the guidance uh, that only their mom can give. I
0: only knew my mom for 16 years. But the impact that she made on my life in those 16 years was, you know, has lasted a lifetime. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And um, we talk about the power of leadership in the home. Yes. yes. The power of leadership in all of the different settings of life. Not everybody, man or woman, is called to lead organizations, lead churches, be out in front of people, like you said, reach a thousand. Not everybody's called to do that. But whatever station in life we find ourselves, we can be faithful. We can grow, we can give what God has blessed us to give and work with what he's given us to work with. Um, and I find that weaving through these stories with both Hannah and Mary. There's so much more we could talk about. Um, but why don't we, for the sake of uh, bringing this to a little bit of closure, sure. why don't you share with us a little bit, Pete, about, um, we'll, we'll, we'll both share maybe, some, some
1: ways we find these stories relevant to us today. Sure, absolutely one of the things that struck me, again, is this, this whole desperation theme. And I, I realized that both of these women in their times and place in history were all born in time and place in history. And, you know, people have limitations. And we sometimes we look. If only I didn't have this limitation or that limitation, whatever it is. And these women had limitations, let me tell you. But you know what they did? They remained devoted. They trusted in God. Wholeheartedly, that when God said that God was going to do something, they didn't let their own limitations get in the way of that. And they simply had simple faith and they trusted in what God said God would do. That was the first takeaway I got. Yeah, had. and, and
0: mine, I think one of mine is related to that, and that is just, and I've said it already, how God works through impossibilities. Yes, right. Um, both of these women were barren. Now, we say barren in the case of Mary, she was just a virgin, she wasn't even barren, she was, i don't even know, right? But, but, but in the case of Hannah, she was definitely unable to conceive, and, and the way, not just in their stories, but if you look at the way God used the barrenness of women all throughout to birth this nation, God in some ways was saying, you're not going to do this without me. I'm not going to let this nation be birthed in a way that you can say, ah, maybe it could have happened this way or that way. There's this sense that not only does God work through impossibilities, but he also works with us,
1: and he partners with us, and he wants to be right there with us through the entire thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, There's a simple thing that comes through to me. It's... You know, part of it is my own personal journey in life. Maybe some of you can relate to this. You ever struggle with trusting? Whether it's trusting people or trusting God? And then well, the example to these of these two women to my life was, Are you gonna trust God or not? I realize it doesn't get much more simple than that. That a come, push comes to shove. I each one of us has a choice and these women had a choice. And it was a powerful one to it's a very simple one. It's like I have to choose God in whatever I'm going through, whatever season of life I'm going through. And it's not fun. And you see the examples in scripture of people who went through some things that were not fun at all, and they resolutely decided that they were gonna trust God in the midst of it, no matter what, no matter how this was gonna end up. So that's my takeaway there. Will I trust God or won't I? And there's only one answer for me.
0: And sometimes in scripture, we tend to point out the ways men trust God. And I think these two stories are really important to remind us of how God shows that women had to trust him as well. Absolutely. um, With everything. With everything. With everything. everything. Right. Right. So where would we be without God? And I say that a little tongue in cheek, right? But, But there's this idea that we would not be sitting here today had not the nation of Israel been birthed. Had not all of that happened. Where would we be without God today? And God is not only the author of existence, but the author of his people, the author of his church. He links it all together, and he's done it through the impossible, such that we can't sit back and say, ah, it could have happened anyway. It only happened because of God and through God's intervention. So are there any other takeaways you'd like today you see for yourself Pete, things you have taken away from this
1: well as study. I just kind of think more more personally it's a, it's a great reminder you know um, uh, we, we shouldn't make up things we should not attribute to God things that God never said God would do but the, there's plenty of scripture that God did say he would do like he's going to build his church and that was just a great reminder to me that you know I need to just take uh, take more risks in the kingdom of God, and just you know, wholeheartedly uh, just trust God for things that may seem from a from a human standpoint impossible, or from a church standpoint impossible. That that God is is not limited because of the way I see things. Uh, God is going to build His church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And it says that in Scripture, and therefore I. And trusted that and act upon it. So that's one of my takeaways. Now. I think for me, there's, there's a
0: couple, but I'll try to focus on one, and that is, in reading Mary's song, just hearing how she declares God heard her. And we know that Hannah had a similar response. You know, God has heard my plea and my cry, and I think many of us can find ourselves in situations where we think God's not listening to us find ourselves in times where, I know I find myself in times sometimes where I just don't know. God, do you hear? And are my prayers getting above the roof? You know, that kind yeah. of moments. And it's in those moments of desperation that I think Hannah and Mary remind us that God hears us. God is listening. He's paying attention to our stories, to our situations, to our struggles. Um, and then for me, I guess it's just the the capstone thought on this series, in some ways. That is just that God uses men and women because they're men and women. He doesn't use women because there's no men. He doesn't use women because he wants them to be like men. And he doesn't use men because there's no... He's made us each unique. And he's chosen throughout the pages of scripture to write his story, to write women and men into that story and we wouldn't be here today without both stories. That's right. That's right. Remember Adam and Eve. So, remember Adam and Eve, right there. <laughs> yeah. Wouldn't be anything without Adam and Eve. Good call, Robert. Yeah. Well, we're going to take a few minutes and give you a chance to reflect. Our worship team is going to come forward. They're going to play a song. And... Um, Lou, do we have any prayer cards today? Yes, we do. All right. So Amy and Lou, if you are interested, one of our traditions at New Hope is that we take a few minutes. And if you have been touched by this series or touched by this uh, sermon, or you just have something on your heart you'd like us to pray for, we have a prayer team that meets on Sunday evenings and throughout the week. Just raise your hand. Lou will bring around a prayer card. And uh, you can just write a note on there. Just take a moment to reflect. It's just an opportunity to really reflect on what you've just heard or what you've listened to. And then uh, Lou is also holding an ushering basket, which uh, if you came with an offering today, came prepared to give, he can also receive that during our final song. So he'll collect prayer cards. He'll collect any offerings that you want to share today, and he'll collect those at the end during our final song. But well, let me pray for us, and uh, then I'll turn this thing back over to Jordan. Heavenly Father, I thank you. I thank you for the stories of Hannah and of Mary. I thank you for their examples. Their examples of faithfulness, their examples of turning to you when they had nowhere else to go. I thank you, Lord, for the way you worked in their lives. And use them to really turn things around for the kingdom of Israel and ultimately through Jesus to offer the ultimate turnaround for us as well. So Lord as we're reflecting on that today, may our hearts and our minds be turned to you, the great sacrifice that you made through your son Jesus Christ. Lord, may we be looking for ways in our own hearts that we can take our desperation and turn it back to you. to stop turning it to other things and to try to distract ourselves, but Lord, may our desperation be laid at your feet and may we recognize and know today be reminded today that you and you alone hear those pleas and you love us and you're there to restore us and help us through so we thank you today we give you this time and the remainder of our service in jesus name Amen. amen